All right. Hello. Good morning. Peace be with you. Thanks, friends. Uh, I want to uh, bring the extroverts back to their seats as we continue this morning uh, in our worship. We'll uh, uh, engage with the teaching text for today and uh, your friend and mine, Lori Gordon, leading us uh, and helping us to interact with that today. So. All right, our teaching text today comes from the book of John, no surprise there, um, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Friends, the Lord be with you. Can you, uh, believe it or not, today is the final day of our series through the book of John. Congratulations, you made it. All right, good, good reaction. Uh, this Messiah series coming to a close today. We've covered 20 and a half chapters, started back in the 1950s with this series, and we're making it to an end finally today. Next week, we're going to jump to the Old Testament. And we're going to be in the book of Zechariah, next to last, <laughs> a big response for Zechariah, how about that? Uh, next to last book in the Old Testament, where we're going to be in a series we're calling Dreams and Visions, over five weeks in May. If you want some mind-bending before bed reading, check out Zechariah over this next week. And uh, we'll have, I think, some fun working our way through that text in May. But as we finish today, um, I want to draw our attention, uh, I have four points today, four challenges, four invitations for us. I think these are invitations both for individual disciples, but also for gathered churches. These are ways for us to faithfully live into the abundant life that Jesus came to give his people. So out of these last couple of verses, We'll look at some things. And these observations come from, as we just heard Lori read, one of the most famous interactions in all of the Bible, this final interaction between Peter and Jesus. Um, and the text begins with, I think, a great detail. This phrase, when they had finished eating. It's a cue to pay attention. Because in John, so many key moments happened around meals. Probably for some of us, this is easy to imagine. 
I would, I would guess that a lot of us can think about significant events, significant conversations that happened before or after a meal. Because there's something about eating together that really uniquely opens us up to each other. I think about uh, in our dating life, when Liz and I one night went out to eat, and we had both worked a full day, and we gladly plopped into a booth and we had checked out the menu, and just after we had ordered, Liz looks over at me and she says, hey, are you gonna wanna marry me? <laughs> now this was, <laughs> if you know my wife, that's, a, yeah, yes, yes, of course she does. Um, this wasn't a complicated question for me because I had made my mind up, and so I said, yeah. Yeah, I want to do that. And she goes, okay, good. And that was the whole conversation. Um, now, we had other stuff to talk about, of course, and then I did an official proposal at one point. But for us, that chat, it wasn't long, it wasn't belabored, but it was significant. Because the both of us, something shifted once that came out into the open, right? We both began to live differently after that little chat. And I, I, I would say that those kinds of conversations, they're all over the book of John. Maybe not wedding conversations, but they're all over the book of John. Significant events, things shifting in and around meals. And virtually from the very beginning of the book, we find this happening. Remember some of these scenes. Pretty early, Jesus is at a wedding and he turns water into wine. And after that, he starts talking for the first time about his, the thing he calls his hour. And his hour hasn't come yet, but it's arriving. It's on the, it's on the radar. He, uh, he makes a giant meal out of a small lunch for a big gathering of people. And then not long after that, he starts talking to his followers and saying things like this. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. There's a meal given in Jesus' honor that he goes to one night. And at that meal, a woman takes expensive perfume and she anoints his feet. And then Jesus starts talking about his impending death and burial that's to come. And then in the upper room, Jesus, for the first time, is a host to the disciples, washes their feet, and then they begin having conversations about what's to come. So all over John, there's this pattern of significant conversation and events and shifts in the story that happen around meals. And here we come to the very end of John, and we've got another one, another significant thing. Here in this text, the conversation between Jesus and Peter, it's not very long, but its significance is massive. And by all accounts, Peter began to live very differently after this encounter. Because remember, not long before this scene, Jesus and Peter are uh, around the high priest's courtyard. Jesus is inside being questioned and tried. Peter is outside. And this is the spot where he inf infamously denies knowing who Jesus is. In February, I talked about he doesn't just deny knowing who Jesus is, but he denies being one of Jesus' own. He denies being a disciple. This is a significant time. And uh, 
those denials of Peter, they've been hanging over him ever since. In verse 14 of this chapter in John, it tells us this, that Jesus has now appeared to his disciples three times since he's been raised from the dead. And it's possible that Peter's been there every time that Jesus has appeared. And so imagine being Peter with this event having happened and you're now encountering Jesus again. And it's hanging over everything. I could imagine Peter being worried about a conversation that is probably going to come. It's easy to imagine Peter being so burdened, and many of us know exactly what this is like. The burden of carrying something that you have done. It's the weird thing where it's almost like you're not sure, am I holding on to this or is it holding on to me? But notice in this scene, notice how intimate the moment is. Because Jesus initiates a conversation with Peter. It's almost like the stage goes black, except for one single spotlight that comes to focus on Jesus and Peter. All the disciples, all the other things, they fade into the background. And we have Jesus and Peter alone, and Jesus speaks directly to Peter and asks him a single question three times. Do you love me? Even the question is intimate. Remember, Peter in the courtyard said no three times. He denied Jesus three times. And here we have Jesus asking a variation on this question three times. Do you love me? And Peter's reaction it makes me think about Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, David is talking about the Lord who is familiar with all of his ways. And then in verse 4 of Psalm 139, David says these words. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. How does Peter respond to Jesus' question, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know you know, Lord, this is an intimate moment that we're seeing here. We find in this spot, Jesus is not content with unreconciled disciples. He initiates an interaction with Peter that leads to a renewed relationship. That's the first point, the first invitation of today, a renewed relationship. I'm convinced some of us need healing in our relationship with Jesus. That some of us need restored intimacy with Jesus. In this scene, we find Jesus embodying the very ministry that he intends for his disciples. Paul talks about this ministry. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a ministry and a message of reconciliation. It's a message that says everyone can have a renewed, restored relationship with God because of and through Jesus. 
That's the ministry of reconciliation. And in this scene, Jesus is actually living it out. He is embodying that very ministry in this moment, in this conversation with Peter. By the way, this is one of the significant areas of focus for Mars Hill Grand Rapids. To intentionally seek a kind of horizontal reconciliation. Especially naming and addressing the kinds of racial tensions and the unaddressed wrongs that many have experienced in our Ottawa Hills neighborhood. Because we understand that this kind of reconciling work is one of the ways that we live into being Christ's ambassadors. So this ministry of reconciliation is extended to us as well, but we find Jesus living into it right here. For any one of us in need of a restored relationship with Jesus, Anyone who has slowly wandered away or anyone who has intentionally chosen distance or for anyone who has never sought a relationship with Jesus before. This church, Marshall Bible Church, we echo the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we say, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Seek a renewed relationship with Jesus. The second invitation in this text is to specific care. After Peter responds to Jesus's question, then Jesus responds to Peter's answers. And he says these words to him. In the TNIV, we get these, these summaries. Jesus issuing a charge to Peter. He says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And I'm struck here by how modest the call of Jesus is. Because notice what he doesn't say to Peter. He doesn't say, go and save the Gentile world. He doesn't say, leverage your influence, maximize your impact, find the biggest platform, multiply your opportunities. He doesn't say this kind of thing. Jesus' words are humble and they're frankly unspectacular. Feed my sheep. Dale Bruner, a commentator that we've been hearing a lot from over this series, he summarizes the words of Jesus with this phrase, take care of the ones that I give you. Take care of the ones I give you. Now, I want to clarify. These words of Jesus in this section, these are not simply a call into full-time ministry. This is not just an example of clergy being commissioned. This is not just a charge for professional paid Christians. Please do not tune out because you don't work for a church or a missions organization or a parachurch body. Because I, and this is why I think that Bruner's summary is so helpful for all of us. Because I think we can each receive Jesus' words here and we can translate them to our own spheres of influence and impact. Take care of the ones I give you. Bosses, 
supervisors, middle managers. Take care of the employees and the direct reports that the Lord gives you. Small group leaders, the students or the fellow journeyers, whoever the Lord gives you in those spaces, take care of them. Parents, take care of the children the Lord gives you. Children, when the time comes, take care of the parents the Lord gives you. Teachers, daycare workers, take care of the children of other parents that the Lord gives you. Neighbors, take care of the local relationships that the Lord gives you. Servers, waitstaff, hostesses, fast food workers, baristas, bank tellers, cashiers. Take care of the regular customers the Lord gives you. This is a woefully short, inadequate list. But hear the spirit of it. Look for the opportunities that the Lord gives you. Look for the intentional and specific ways that you can care for the sheep. Please do not dismiss your call to individual and to particular faithfulness because you don't earn a paycheck from a religious institution. Do not diminish the call of Jesus on your life to care for and to feed his sheep. Third invitation, and this one might seem a little more unusual. It's to surrender in limitations. It echoes a little bit of what Tim led us to pray for this morning. Um, the words to Peter from Jesus about sheep and about lambs, it ought to remind us of a key teaching of Jesus in the Gospel of John. In chapter 10, uh, Jesus gives one of the six I am statements that he has in the book of, in the book of John when he says, I am the good shepherd. And just as I tried to establish, one way of understanding these words of Jesus that is a true and fair way is to see that there's a call to join Jesus in this shepherding role, to be a kind of under-shepherd to the one good, true shepherd. However, we cannot forget the second half of John 10, 11, that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This helps a little bit to make some sense of the uh, words near the end of chapter 21 that Jesus says to Peter when he says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then that single verse that adds the little bit of context, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. The call to feed and to care for Jesus' sheep and lambs is not simply about carrying a slop bucket and making sure that fence posts are sturdy. It's a call that involves Surrender and limitations. Back in chapter 10, Jesus, when he's talking about being the good shepherd, he draws a distinction between a shepherd and a hired hand. When the wolf comes, 
when a threat comes to the sheep. Jesus says the hired hand abandons the sheep and runs away. And we can identify a hired hand in that moment because you learn that the hired hand cares nothing about the sheep. The distinction is sharp. Friends and family, to embrace the invitation to faithful and intentional care for those that Jesus gives you, it means that you also have to embrace the possibility, dare I say the likelihood of having to surrender on behalf of those sheep. Remember the words of Jesus in another spot in John. Chapter 15, verse 10. You've heard this before. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no way around this truth, that the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. It is the way of surrender. Surrendering oneself for others. It is the call to follow where we might not want to go. It is the call to go where we might not have chosen for ourselves. True discipleship will mean facing limitations. Limitations that are related to your own freedom, to your own choices, to your own preferences. Surrendered for the other sheep in obedience to and in imitation of the good shepherd. So when Jesus finally says to Peter at the end, follow me, this is full of expectations but also full of sacrifice. Our friend Gary Bird, she says it this really well. He says, when Jesus says that, it takes on a greater meaning in light of it being also a call to the cross. It's a call to surrender into limitations. And the same is true for you and me. This invitation for each of us is to be simply more than a hired hand but to embrace that our call is to care for the other, even when it looks like and it feels like dying to ourselves, because that is the way of Jesus. And then finally, I think we have an invitation that I hope is freeing for most of us. And the fourth invitation is this, to avoid comparison. The last few verses that Lori didn't read, they're, uh, we're going to get to them here. They're about as unique as any other place in John's gospel. Check out verses 20 and 21. It says this, that Peter turned and he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Okay. We, here we have another moment where John, the narrator, talks about himself. And he talks about himself once again in very complimentary light. 
right? I'm the one who leaned back against Jesus. But what's important for us to notice is how now the scene expands just a little bit. And we go from Jesus and Peter and we include one other person. And that inclusion makes a giant shift inside of Peter. Most commentators, when they look at this scene, they interpret this and they interpret Peter's question and they they come to the same conclusion that this is really another moment of weakness in Peter's life. Because here we have Jesus who has just issued a very specific call to Peter. And Peter wants to know, well, what's in store with this other guy? What, what, about, what about him? It's almost like Peter um, responds to Jesus' words by redirecting all of the attention to John instead. Like he says, okay, Jesus, I, I hear you. I get it. I see what I'm supposed to do. But will John have hard things to do too? I mean, is, is he going to get off easier than I'm getting off? Um, will he have to go where he doesn't want to go? Will he, you ask him to sacrifice also? What about him, Jesus? Does anyone relate to Peter in this moment? Even if you don't nod your heads, I'll say that I certainly relate to this moment. I have a strong pull and urge inside of me to look for fairness. And I want to know if I'm going to have to do a hard thing that somebody else is going to have to do or everybody else is going to have to do a hard thing too. Like I'm on the lookout for, I don't want someone else coasting while I'm pedaling hard trying to get uphill. So I really relate to Peter in this moment. Jesus responds to Peter's question and he says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. One last summary from Dale Bruner. And I gotta say, on behalf of all the people who've been teaching, Dale Bruner and Gary Burge have been a couple of voices that have been so helpful for us as we've looked at this series. Um, But Bruner summarizes Jesus' response to Peter with these words, I love it. You concentrate on following me in your special calling. And don't waste any more of your time and energy looking over your shoulder at him or at others. What an awesome summary. So helpful. Don't look back over your shoulder at the following of other disciples. You follow Jesus just as you have been specifically called. Because some of us are called to be fisher persons. And some of us shepherds. And some of us martyrs. But you follow in your own particular calling. You live into what's been given to you. And I think Peter got the message. And I think he passed that message on in his later life. If we fast forward to First Peter letter attributed to him. Chapter four, we read these words, these words to God's scattered people. Peter writes this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. In your own way, 
should remind us of Paul's words to the Corinthian church. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Friends, be free. Be free of comparing yourself to other people. Be free to live into your own specific calling. Jesus is calling each one of us to follow specifically and faithfully. So don't waste any more time or energy obsessing over the discipleship of other disciples. Instead, listen and hear the voice of Jesus calling you to follow. You to feed and to care for the sheep and the lambs that he will give you, and above all else, to the continual call to abide in him, because apart from him, we can do nothing. Many churches around the world today are observing what's called Good Shepherd Sunday. It's a Sunday during the Easter season when we remember and we read these teachings from Jesus, particularly out of John chapter 10 about caring for and feeding the sheep. It's a coincidence, frankly, that it had landed on this day, the way that these texts lined up. And as we move to the table this morning, I'm going to invite us to pray briefly one of the collects that's assigned for today on this Good Shepherd Sunday. And so... For those of you who are needing a restored relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to pray these words. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. For those of you who could use an expanded perspective and a fresh call to care for those that Jesus has given you. I want to invite you to pray these words. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. For those of you struggling to accept the limitations, the surrender, and the self-denial that comes with the call to discipleship, I want to invite you to pray these words. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. And for those of you who are ready to be free from the paralyzing weight of comparison, I invite you to pray these words. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. Friends and family, as we close here, I would ask that you would join me and let's pray together this whole collect as we prepare to come to the table, joining our hearts and our voices together. Oh God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people. Grant that when we hear his voice, 
we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. And amen.